Hey guys, before we get started, I just want to warn you that this episode contains um, a lot of dark stuff, a lot of stuff around child poverty, child neglect, child abuse. There is a mention of self-harm. Um, and if those types of topics would make this a hard listen for you, go ahead and skip this one. Thanks. Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Buy Pumpkin. How are you guys doing? I am stressed out. I feel like anytime I talk to anybody, I have to say I'm stressed out. Um, right now, I am. You know, guys, it's the end of the it's the end of the year, and so it's always a tough time for me. It's always a time when I have to be extra careful with myself and extra babying myself. And I am, I am. Don't get me wrong, I am. But like for some reason, the last couple of weeks have been pretty stressful. Um, today's stressful thing happened because Bear Bear, okay, so last week, Bear Bear's my youngest, he's four, he's about to turn five on December 11th. Um, last Saturday, Bear Bear and Monkey are playing in their rooms, in their room together, um, because they were getting on my nerves, and do Bear Bear and Monkey like each other? Not really. They do not like each other. I think Bear Bear likes Monkey, and Monkey does not like Bear Bear. I think Part of it is the reason is because uh, they were separate so long in foster care. Bear Bear was living with a family that was going to take him and like uh, adopt him and shit. And like he was an only child there. And um, and Monkey was with Bunny. And Monkey has been the youngest everywhere he's gone. Until Monkey remains the youngest child I've ever fostered. Even though Bear Bear is younger than him because Bear Bear came a year later. Um... But, like, there's a lot of, and also Monkey's like, so Monkey, you know, Monkey's my jam, Brady. There's a lot of, like, why am I not getting the attention that Bear Bear is getting? And there's also an issue because Bear Bear is tall for his age. In fact, all of my children are tall for their age, except for Monkey. And Bear Bear's bigger than Monkey. His feet are bigger. Um, he, he He's taller. He's, uh, he's not chubby he used to be chubby like I would say around this time last year he was pretty chubby but he's not chubby at all he is just big he's just big people think he's older than he is no one believes he's four years old in fact I could have been got him the fucking uh COVID vaccine because no one believes that he's fucking four years old and monkey's little for his age so that's a point of stress between the two of them because Bear Bear enjoys talking about how big he is and how much bigger he is than Monkey <laughs> in particular. And Monkey gets very upset by this. He's a small, Monkey scowls a lot. Uh, he seems, he, he, he lost his tooth at school and um, then he lost the tooth at school. And I go to pick him up and he's scowling and he's, you know, he loves to scowl. And I'm like, we will write the tooth fairy a, a note. And we'll put it under the pillow, explain what happened. And he's like, but I can't write. I'm in kindergarten. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, you can draw a picture explaining. She's not going to know what that is. <laughs> like, he's very... <laughs> anyway, uh, Monkey doesn't really like to be around Bear Bear. He likes to be separate from Bear Bear. He likes to be who he loves, who he really loves is Turtle. He loves him some Turtle. Like on his birthday, he when he got to stay up, he wanted Turtle to stay up with him. He he wants to be in the same category as Turtle. That's who he thinks. That's who he believes he has the most in common with in the house. 
not Bear Bear. But he and Bear Bear are grouped together because they're the same age. They wear all the same fucking clothes. Um, even though Bear Bear is bigger, what happens is that they can wear the same size clothes. They're just loose on Monkey and fit well, like fit very closely on Bear Bear. So they're grouped together and they hate it. Well, Monkey hates it especially. So they're in their room playing though. That's where they belong in their room. And I hear this scream. That's not unusual. They love to fight each other. And so then here comes Bear Bear walking down the fucking hallway. There is blood all over his fucking face, nose, mouth, all over his shirt. It's all over his hands. He's screaming. Looks like fucking Carrie. You know, when they drop that pig's blood on her and she starts screaming, then she starts killing everybody. Looks like that. So I try to be calm. I'm an adult in this house. I need to be calm even when I don't want to be. So I'm like, come here. And I look at him. His, it's, I, I, I clean him down, you know, hose him down so you can see what the fuck's going on. And he seems okay. Uh, he, what happened is he jumped from his own bed to Monkey's bed and hit his fucking head right on a hard corner of the bed. Now the beds, like, I know many of you would be like, first of all, why you have those dangerous beds in there? I don't have any fucking dangerous beds in there. I got dangerous children in there is what I fucking got. And he, like, he barely missed losing an eye. Um, when I told my mother this, she was like, you know, you really should make it a rule that you're not allowed to jump on things at your house. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> if you think... That until this moment, the rule was you could fly through the air anytime you wanted to. Like, <laughs> you really think that it never occurred to me to tell the children don't jump off of things? You you think that's what's going on in my house? She started laughing, which she does anytime. She, she's always, she, this is why I don't go to my mother for advice. Because she'll always be like, hmm, did you do an obvious thing? <laughs> I'll be like, yeah. Why are you talking about like some jerk off? Okay. <laughs> anyway, um. You know, I asked him, I did. I said, Bebber, do you feel stupid? He's like, yeah. And I said, you should. This is a dumb thing to do. And this is why I keep asking you not to jump off of things. But he's, this is what he's like. He's four, though. As I keep telling other children, like, you guys are holding him to a behavior standard that is not. He's young for four. Okay? He's just, his body's big for four. His, his mind is young for four. <laughs> so I get him all cleaned up. He seems okay. Still got all his teeth. We got his nose to stop bleeding. Uh, he told me that he hit his eye, but like right, just narrowly missing, knocking his fucking eye out. And I get him to stop bleeding. He seems fine. And he says it, he, it hurts, but in general, it seems fine. Cut to the day. Today's Friday. Um, he's bleeding in gym class. Um, and the coach from his mouth, the coach takes him to the, um, to the nurse the nurse looked because she thought maybe the tooth was loose or was coming out and she says that there is a a wound at the top of his gums like at the how do i explain this i mean that's it the top of her gums like pull your lip out and put your finger as far back as the top that's where the wound is so she can tell like he definitely had some like physical trauma there so i called it i'm in route to do all kinds of shit i gotta drop off my my buddy's getting a bike for her birthday. No one's home. She doesn't know that. Buddy's getting a bike for her birthday. I have to drop it off at a friend's house so she can hide it for me till her birthday. Um, I'm about to go to fucking Ikea. You know, I got shit to do. And I get the call. And so I immediately call the dentist 
like it's dentist because it's it's very hard to get not hard but dental appointments they're done six months out so it's difficult to be like oh hey I need to go to the dentist today because it's not how you know it's usually not how it works but I called them and they happen to have an emergency appointment today at 11 o'clock and it's 9.50. I'm all the way in fucking North Austin. So I drive back like a bat out of hell. <laughs> and I go to his school. I get him. I'm sure they were happy to see him go. <laughs> the thing about Bear Bear is he quite obviously has ADHD. It's quite obvious. Therapists has said so. All the caseworkers said so. But he's four. And um, although you can like medically treat ADHD that way, like it's not uh, the, the, the Medicaid isn't gonna pay for it till he's fine. And also, like, is I just don't like. I'm not against medicine for ADHD, obviously, but I just don't think medicating a two or three year old is is like the go-to idea. I'm not, like, if you guys do, I'm not judging you or anything like that. I just feel like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think ADHD impacts their lives, of negatively affects their lives in a way that requires medication when you're two and three years old. You know what I mean? So, you know, I do the, the exercises, the, the, uh, long, the short-term memory and the patience exercises and working, like, that I do with everybody with him, but, I'm just like, I mean, he's also very young for his age. So, like, the result is Bear Bear is a dynamo of energy, wildness. <laughs> I told you guys, I had taken him to the grocery store. I don't take kids to the grocery store. I don't like that shit. I don't even take my husband to the grocery store. I don't feel like saying no to putting shit in the basket. So, I don't take people to the grocery store. I, you get what you get and you don't get upset. You'll see it when I get home. And so... Um, but I had taken him and he wasn't in the cart because the cart was fucking full of food. I don't usually let him walk next to me because he can't be trusted to walk next to me. So he's, he's got his hand on the cart and then all of a sudden we're in the parking lot. He just takes off running and like running as hard as he can. We are at the van. He's not running to the van. He just takes off running. And, but the thing is, he's only running for a second, just as hard as he can. So he isn't super far from me. He's running for a second. I go, Bear Bear. What are you doing? And he stops mid running as hard as he can and runs right back and goes, I don't know. I'm sorry. It's like, like what, what, where are you going? He said, like, I don't know. I don't know. I just started running. I was like, you know, you're not supposed to run in. This is a parking lot. There are cars here. You, we're right here with the van. You're getting into the van. Why did you start running? He goes, I don't know. I run. I run. That is what he's like in general. Okay. I'm sure this will be alleviated once he starts medication. But it's just his personality. But I know he bothers the fuck out of his teachers. I know he does. He's always doing something. He's always in trouble for something. And I don't love that because it messes with his self-esteem. We had like some talks about it, about how how he just wants to be good at school. And sometimes he just, he doesn't think he can. And all he wants is to be good at school. And like, I get it. And we had a conversation about it. And I've talked to his teacher like, this is one of the reasons I allow my kids to be medicated. I mean, there are all kinds of reasons for people who don't. Like, this is like a personal parenting choice, right? But one of the reasons I allow my kids to be medicated and I medicate them on weekends and in the summer, even if it's a little less, is because I think it fucks with your self-esteem to be constantly redirected. 
constantly criticized. Well, even if I'm not intending to criticize you, but me constantly being like, you have to sit down. Why are you doing that? Where are you going? Why are you running? Like that is like all day long, it chips at you, you know? And it makes you feel like you are wrong. In general, you are wrong. So, and I just don't want my kids to have that. Especially, Cheeks is, I'd say, I'd say in terms of ADHD severity, it is Cheeks, Bear Bear, Bunny, Monkey, and at the very bottom is Turtle. Turtle is barely on medication, like a very low dose of fucking medication. Um, and he doesn't take the kind that everybody else takes. Uh, he takes like Stratera or something like that, something that barely fucking works. So <laughs> at least in my opinion. Um, so like he, he doesn't need it as much. And also B Turtle's getting older and older and, and the hyperactivity changes as you get to my understanding. Please um, don't take me as like the, the, the main person to be telling you this shit. My understanding is that the... Um, as they travel into puberty, the kids that show the hyperactivity part of it lose quite a bit of that and, and remain distracted. Um, it's about concentration and focus and less about like all of a sudden your body's running at top speed and you don't even fucking know why. Um, and so like, I've, I worry about their self-esteem. I worry about how they see themselves in the world if everything is wrong. Everything I instinctually, instinctually want to do is incorrect because that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I just, that worries me. And I don't want my kids to live like that, which is why sometimes, even though it irks the fuck out of me that they have such a hard time of sitting, like leaning over things, sitting with their legs really in a weird spot. Like that shit bothers the fuck out of me. And sometimes when they're all sitting on the couch watching TV, I just like have to go in my room because I, I just want to be like, sit down, <laughs> put your legs in front of you, fold them in the correct way, sit down. <laughs> but I don't because I'm like, I'm trying to give them a fucking break from this because I feel like most of what I'm doing is correcting them. And also because I have to correct and, and redirect so much, I also like make a big deal out of like <sighs> praising them for things. Telling like today Bunny looked really good in her mask. I don't know why she just did. And I just told her that she, that, I don't know, that mask really went with her skin tone. I don't know why. <laughs> and like when they get their haircuts, like really over the top about how good they look and stuff like that. Or like if, whenever um, the kids have Thursday folders, so they come home Thursdays with with grades and things like that. And like we, things that they've completed in class. And so I go through each thing and I talk to them about what they did and, and, and I praise the high grades and I, and you know, even the ones that don't get grades like Bear Bear, I'm praising his coloring techniques and things like that. Because, and I do that because so much of parenting them is redirecting and correcting. Anyway, uh, I know his, but his teachers are, Professionals, obviously, but they're also people. And I know that if I had, they probably got eight kids in that class, eight kids in the preschool, and one of them was off his motherfucking rocker. <laughs> always talking, always running, always want to play with stuff, always doesn't want to know why you can't. And he loves the kitchen at school. He's always making cookies. Doesn't matter if he's holding the celery stalk or what. He's making fucking cookies. And like, you always have to drag him out of there. And also, last year was really tough because, okay, so when... Bear Bear went back to bio mom, right? And we thought everything was going to be okay. And he was 
potty trained. When he came back into foster care, he was not potty trained. He was, and not just not potty trained, like, he was, like, peeing all day on himself. And, like, we had to take him into the doctor. I was like, what is going on? But that's not unusual, foster kids changing bathroom habits back and forth. It's, it's not unusual for them. But, like, it was a long road back to, and so was Monkey. Monkey was not potty, Monkey been potty trained for years. Um, I had to get them back. It, it really took Monkey two weeks, maybe tops, to be back, like, oh, actually, I do want to use the toilet. Like, I don't know why I'm, and the therapist, the therapist saw them when they were with Biomon. She said that um, they stayed in diapers all day, like dirty diapers all day. So that might have something to do with it. But anyway, Monkey was right back on track. But Bear Bear took a while, especially overnight. And, you know, in preschool, they still take a nap. So, like, last year at this time, Bear Bear was wetting himself two, three times a week at school. Like, if he had not wet himself, when I picked him up, the first thing he screamed was, I didn't pee on myself. It, it was a very long process. And I don't know what happened, but he just decided he was done with that. And he stopped. He, does, he doesn't need to pull up at night. He doesn't wet the bed at all. He's, but the other thing, the other side of that is that now he goes to the bathroom a million times a day. Like, I think personally, he's thinking to himself, I don't, I don't want to wet myself. I'm on a streak. I don't. So he will go to the restroom all fucking day. All day. Like, for example, before bath, I take him to use the restroom. Then he gets in his bath. I wash him. He's never in the tub for very long. As soon as I dry him off and we put underwear on him and put powder in his underwear, he immediately goes to use the restroom again. We've had him checked out. He does not have any urinary problems. He just... And he's always got pee in there. He just is like an empty bladder is what I need. So like I know at school he's going to the bathroom all day long. And I also know that like all the kids are wild for, you know, it's preschool. They're all wild. But I know he can be loud. I know sometimes he just yells sings and like doesn't know why he's doing it. I know that. There also, it's possible, there are some thoughts that perhaps he is he was exposed to alcohol in in utero i mean he was i'm saying thoughts he he was uh she drank all through the pregnancy but so it's quite possible he can have fetal alcohol syndrome but fetal alcohol syndromes i think it's syndromes now is not like a thing like one thing like you have diabetes and now you have diabetes it's like a cluster of um disorders that make up that you have fetal alcohol syndromes so but he does not have enough disorders to qualify for that but that but and and some and some people can drink all through a pregnancy and nothing happens and some people can drink all through a pregnancy and it's devastating results um this this is why they tell you not to because you can't you you don't know what's going to happen so there even though he's not diagnosed with that, and he's technically not diagnosed with ADHD, he will be seen for ADHD for the first time after his birthday. He, it is clear that it has had some effect on his cognitive ability. And um, so when he is diagnosed with ADHD, I'm just waiting, because Medicaid won't pay for it until he's five. I'm waiting for that. And also I don't need Medicaid. You don't understand what I'm trying to say because there's no, there's no medicine I'm willing to give him when he's three, four years old. Um, 
So when he gets that, he will then get an IEP at school, which will alleviate some concerns for him. Um, and I know teachers do their best, but they're also humans, right? So I, like I said, if I had like eight kids and seven of, six of them maybe were like, fine. And then one, every time you walked to the gym to go to PE, he ran around and hid in a bush. <laughs> like, I would be like, fuck. So I know, I know. I know when he doesn't come to school, they're like, whoa, it's going to be an easy day. <laughs> so, so I get him. I take him to the dentist. I explain to him what happened. We go in. He's, you know, he loves being the only kid with me. He's talking to me about stuff. He's, he, he wants to discuss school things and crayon colors and all kinds of stuff. We're having a decent time. We go to the back. I don't go in with him at the dentist. The way this dentist is set up is... I wait, I go to, a, I not the main waiting room, I go in the back to another waiting room and they take them in the back. And so when I told them what was going on, they are like, let's take x-rays just to see if he's had any damage of his teeth. So they go check. He doesn't have any damage of his teeth. His teeth are fine. What they have examined through the x-ray and the exam is that he has a big gash at the top of his gums. Like maybe he hit on his mouth, like right there. He has a big gash there. And that, I mean, there's really no way to, like, you can't put a Band-Aid on that. They're, they want me to have him gargle with salt water several times a day to help with um, making sure there's not food in there. You know, just trying to keep, it's not, the word isn't sterile, right? Because it, it will never be sterile, it's inside his mouth. But uh, they kind of keep it as cleanish as a mouth can be, and human mouths are disgusting. Um, by the way, and people often say like dog mouths uh, are cleaner than humans. That's not true. They have less number of back. That's like pop science bullshit that we always, that always comes out. They have less number of types of bacteria in their mouths, but it's different bacteria. And some of it's eating poop out of the toilet bacteria. So no, it's not. But human mouths are pretty fucking disgusting because of the way food, like it's, it's disgusting in there. So they just want me to switch, the, make sure he does that a couple times a day. It, we just have to let it heal. Um, the fact that it was bleeding today was probably because of something he was eating or he was touching it with his hands. I'm sure that if some, you know how kids are, I mean, how we all are, if something's bothering us in our mouth, we'll touch it with our tongue or with our hand or something. We'll, we'll keep fucking with it. And he has an appointment the next day, in a month, and they're gonna make sure it's healing up. Like they took photos of it and everything. They're going to make sure it's healing up because if it's not, then I, I mean, honestly, I don't know what they're going to do. What, what if, is he going to have to have some surgery or something? But they're saying it's going to be healing up. Don't, basically, they told me not to worry about it. I was like, okay. I took him to get McDonald's. That's what he wanted. That's what he wanted. McDonald's because he was missing lunch. I took him back to the fucking school. Because I was like, I still have shit to do today. You're going back to school. And I know. Well, we, cause you can't go into it. Well, you never could go into a school as long as I've had kids in school. You can't just go into a school cause people shoot at schools now. So the doors are always locked. You can, you can leave through side doors, but you can't get in through side doors and the front door is always locked. And, but it just depends on how your school is set up. Like there are some schools you have to push a button and talk to an intercom. Uh, most of the schools my kids have gone to, you when you walk in the double doors at front, you can't walk in through a second door, that's locked. The only way to go is to the left or to the right, and that's into an office, right? And even if 
they they send you off into the school like the door from the office to the to get to the school is locked you can't get through that door unless the secretary hits the buzzer like you you just can't like wild into the school but i mean you really can't go into school right now of COVID. so um i rang a doorbell and she comes out and she looks at bear bear and goes you're back <laughs> gone all day <laughs> and he's like i'm back <laughs> but i brought the note he's good to go he's fine the reason i want him to go back is i want him to go to ymc after school care today um because i have other things to do but yeah that's that was stressful today because i was like i'm really nervous about what they're going to say i don't want them to say he has to have like a surgery or anything like that. I've already had difficult surgery on Monkey. When I got Monkey as a foster kid, he had the the front four of his teeth were rotted out. And you can't, from the back, like you couldn't really see from the front, but they were rotted. I mean, he was like drinking soda in bottles and stuff like that. Um, and like, obviously they're baby teeth, right? Because we're going to get new teeth. But the problem is, is that lots of people don't lose, like Monkey just lost his first tooth and he's six like it's quite possible he'll be 12 still losing fucking teeth so he needs these <laughs> he needs those bitches and so they had to like put fillings and shit in them and the the his caseworker you know so when you get a foster kid you have i've forgotten because it's been so long since i've been a foster parent at this point um but there are had a new case as a foster parent but like you have to get a certain amount of uh, of um, medical care within 30 days. Like they have to see a doctor and have a prelim exam, a dental, a prelim, all this shit. So when I did that, I told them that like, uh, you know, a bunch of his teeth are rotted out and he needs to get a surgery because they can't do that in the office of kids his age. They don't just like put a needle in his fucking gum and go from there. They're going to put him under. And his caseworker was like, yeah. I was under the impression this had already been done by another foster family. And I was like, well, they still rot it. And apparently she, apparently someone had lied about taking him to get like, what the fuck? I can tell you people are terrible. Anyway. Um, I was just worried about like having to do another surgery like that. And like, again, I'm about to be in the office each day. Um, like work from the office each day. And it's necessary for me to do this other thing I need to do, which I don't want to do, but still. Um, so yeah, like I, I don't have time for people to be having surgeries and shit like that. So I'm glad it seems to be fine. He seemed happy. He ate his chicken nuggets, even gave me one. He had a bunch of stickers and, uh, they were very unhappy to see him coming back. <laughs> Sorry, we all got our jobs to do and yours is stand next to Bear Bear all day while he's flying through the air, I guess. I do, like, I do everything I can to help with this teacher and, like, to have conversations with him. We talk about what our days, we set our intention for our days. I discipline him at home. I empower them to discipline him at school. I mean, obviously no one can hit my child, but, like, I make sure they understand. Because I guess some parents don't, like, anytime you do, you, like, 
your kid can't go to recess or receive some sort of discipline at school, they get really upset. I'm not one of them. This is your classroom, dude. You got to run your classroom the way you need to run it. And as long as you aren't like fucking with my kid, like, I don't know if he jumped off the desk, he can't go to recess. And you need to reinforce that because if you give cheeks is the number one, but all of them, you give them an inch Bunny's a sniper from the fucking side, okay? Very Lisa, Lisa Vanderpump. People mistake Bunny's uh, glasses and general sweetness for for not having any underlying vices. And guess what she does? And if you give her an inch, she will take 10 miles, okay, from you. She will be gone. You'll never catch her back. Cheeks is like that. Turtle's always afraid of being in trouble. Turtle doesn't even like when you look at him. Badly, so Turtle is not like that. <laughs> the other day we were talking, and I was talking about calls from school. Turtle's never called me from school. At the point, at the time we had this conversation, Turtle has, n I've never been called from school for Turtle, not once. Once from summer camp, from day, summer day camp, because he wasn't feeling well, and he wanted me to come get him, because he didn't want to get anybody else sick. But he, he's never called me because he lost a water bottle, or homework, or he's upset and he can't calm down or he's in a nurse never never i had to go get bunny a couple of weeks ago because bunny threw up on the bus to school it took me a long time to get to her because they hadn't finished dropping off kids at school yet i was like she didn't even make it in the fucking building and i brought her home and i was like listen sometimes our bodies tell us we need to rest and i feel like if you throw up on the way to school that means rest <laughs> so but but like turtle never so and everyone was like, wow, Turtle, you never called? He's like, nope, I don't need to call home. And so <laughs> then he had to do his homework one night. And one of our issues with Turtle is he doesn't really do his homework, right? Or he, excuse me, he does his homework. He doesn't like to write down his homework. He doesn't like to write. It's one of the worst things, one of his worst skills. And so sometimes he doesn't know what the homework is. And this night I was annoyed with him because he told me his homework was to videotape him reading. reading. And you guys know... I hate when children read to me, especially children who aren't good readers, and Turtle is not. So then I had to tape him, like, film him, video him doing this, and also try to correct him as he's stumbling over words. And then when we got done with that, it turned out, and he wanted me to load it to the Google Classroom. I did. I, I go to do that. That's not what the assignment was. I look at everyone else's assignment. They're interviewing their parents. Then he realizes he's got the wrong assignment. Then he doesn't know which questions he's supposed to ask. So I'm like, okay. I have done this in the past where I've contacted your teacher like eight o'clock at night. And I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, they, they, we have apps to contact each other. And so they don't have to check the app. But like I told him, you have to write down your homework. I'm not, you're, you're fucking in the fifth grade. You're 11 years old. I don't think it's appropriate for me to be messaging your teacher seven, eight o'clock at night asking what the homework was because you don't know what it is. This sent him into a tailspin. He was, he was crying because <laughs> he desperately wanted to do his homework. He did not want to go to school and get points taken off, right? I don't want to get my points taken off. I need to turn my homework. I need homework. And I'm like, I'm sorry. This is like, this is what happens when you don't write down your assignment. If you don't know what to do, you need to get clarification and do it another time. He went to bed very unhappy with me. In the morning, he wasn't too happy with me either. But I told him it's okay. I said, talk to your teacher today. Explain that you did not remember what you should do get the instructions and, and turn it in. Um, he's got an IEP. He's allowed to turn in things late. He's, he's allowed to. So use your IEP. And also like, this is like an example of me not 
like obviously I'm supposed to be your net. I mean, I'm your fucking mother. But also like you're going into sixth grade next year, and we need to start learning that like uh, that there are consequences when you when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You know, write down your homework. If you don't write down your homework, this is what happens. So this is the morning they missed the fucking bus. The bus driver's driving through here like a bat out of the hill. I hate their fucking bus driver. I fucking hate her. Um, she's so like, I don't know. She, she, she hates kids, one, <laughs> which is under fucking standable. But you don't drive a school bus if you hate kids. I, like, I found grace for her because someone who hates kids and drives a school bus, she drives a school bus all day long. She drives for the little kids, then she drives for the middle school kids, then she drives for the high school kids, the after school bus. Like, she, like, I was getting Chinese food one day and she's, I saw her. Cause I remember, I know the kid's bus number and it's her. I'm looking, I can recognize her. And she, it's fucking 5.30 at night. She's still driving the fucking bus. Okay, she drives the bus all fucking day. I don't know why I used to think that the bus drivers drove like one route, took you to school and went home. I don't know why, but that's not the case. She's with kids all fucking day. So if you hate kids and you're with kids all fucking day, you must gotta do this. That's how I've found like, ways to be nice to her and stuff because normally i give out like we make little gift bags for the teachers and the bus driver and the nurse at um i guess the principal this time um at christmas like we put like candy and they write a little nice little card and we put a ten dollar gift card to target in there just nothing amazing but just something that says hey i see you i appreciate you thank you for taking care and everything. And we give them out. And I was like, she is not fucking getting one. But I, I remembered like, okay, if you hate kids this much and you still have to drive kids every day, you must need this fucking job. And that I can have tons of empathy for. I've been in plenty of jobs that I needed. <laughs> so I could not get fired, but I hated it. <laughs> so anyway, they missed the bus. I took them to school. And I'm and taking Bear Bear to his school, which is separate everybody else's school. I get all the way fucking back. I get a phone call. And it's the exchange, right? Um, not the area code, not the last four, that middle three numbers um, on a phone number. And that's the exchange for the school district. Um, I always answer calls from there. I don't care what happens. So I answer the call. And I'm like, hello? And it's this teacher who is... Uh, West African. Um, she's her fucking last name bangs. I'm not gonna say it, but I love her last name. I the shit rolls off my fucking tongue. Love it. Her her last name is so fucking good. Anyway, so I say, I immediately recognized her. I had a parent teacher conference with her not too long ago. Um, I was like, hey, and she goes, I am here. I'm not gonna do her accent because it's gonna sound like I'm making fun of her. She's got a great accent too. She's like, I'm here with Turtle, and I wanted to call you. Because Turtle is very insistent that you know that this home, that the homework he had was not due until Monday. He can turn it in on Monday. <laughs> I was like, okay. She's like, yes, he is right here. He is very upset. <laughs> he would like to continue to bring his homework. And I told him it's okay. He can bring his homework. But he, and I told him it was okay. But he insisted that I call you right now and let you know <laughs> And I said, okay, well, here's the, problem. here's the problem with Turtle. He doesn't know. He doesn't know 
that uh what what to do with the excitement it looks like he doesn't know which questions to ask or how or why and she's like okay okay and i i can tell that she is talking around someone when someone's talking around someone they're talking to someone else not you they're speaking to you but they're relaying information to someone else so it's like like he's obviously standing like i could hear him whispering to her <laughs> and she's like okay okay um by the time he will know how to do the assignment, by the time he leaves, I can do that. We are going to sit down and write down how to do the assignment. But he would like you to know that it's not due till Monday and he can still do it. And, and he has not lost any points because he did not miss turning in homework. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but this is what I get for bragging about him never having to call me. This is what I fucking get. <laughs> Okay, guys, so as you know, we have finished season eight of By Pumpkin, and it is now time for what I call palette cleansers. And all that I mean about that is that, like, let's just, like, do a couple of one-offs while we have the moment before you start a new series. Um, and so I am, today I want to talk about a documentary that, has it's a very short one but it has made an incredible impression on me it made an impression on me when it first came out and i've never forgotten i think about it very often although i've only seen it maybe two times since then it came out in 2010 it's called uh homeless the motel kids of orange county now should i be looking at this dark ass shit <laughs> it's making me feel all these feelings absolutely not guys this is not the time for me to be looking at dark shit but when I was checking out HBO Max and I was like, what kind of docs up here would I like to talk about? And I saw it, I mean, it was like, oh, I want to talk about this. I definitely want to fucking talk about this because there are moments in this doc, it's only, I think it's an hour and four minutes. There are moments in this doc that have stayed with me for the fucking 11 years since it came out that I'll never forget that I think about all the fucking time. Um, so you guys, it came out in 20... 10 right came out in 2010 uh it's currently on hbo max so if that's where that's where you'd watch it i'm sure you can also buy it on amazon uh they filmed it over the course of a summer the the person the writer director the person who is holding it's done by held handheld camera um is alexandra pelosi um and she her husband and two children stayed in a motel in orange county over a summer that's my understanding. And the premise is that the, the kids, that these kids are amongst the poorest people in a very, in one of the wealthiest places in the country. Now, um, you know, uh, Orange County has now become synonymous with um, Vicky Gunvalson pissing on Tamara's bed in Mexico. <laughs> but... There is incredible wealth there. It's one of the reasons why The O.C. was such an aspirational show. It's one of the reasons, I mean, it's where Laguna Beach and, and uh, well, Laguna Beach is where Laguna Beach was filmed. Like, there's incredible wealth there. And just because now when we think O.C., we think Dying Housewives franchise, like, don't get that shit twisted. Um, the juxtaposition of these kids living in abject poverty next to 
one of these the one of the wealthiest areas in the country is startling um as she interviews each person like obviously she had to get a a video release photo and video release from their parents they're all minors um i wonder if they were paid <laughs> um i would assume so uh i mean I can imagine if I were living in this situation and someone said, can I come film your kids? I'd be nervous about CPS, right? It's always a possibility. And I'd be nervous about like, I, you know, the whole, just someone being around my kids, I'd be nervous about. But like if they, she offered me $100 or, or $200, I'm unsure um, if I can, de- like obviously, yes, because $100 $200 would change like the scope of my week. You know what I mean? In this situation. Uh, each kid that comes on the screen is identified by name, age, and their motel room number. Um, that's a choice. But it keeps you in the moment of like their transience in this world. And the only thing that ties them to this is their motel, um, is their motel room number. First kid we talked to is Rudy. She's six. And she explains that she and her family lived on the street and then they got into a shelter and the shelter got them into a program that paid for the motel. Um, She says the worst place she ever slept in was the bushes because it was embarrassing because people were looking at them. Uh, The interviewer, and that's what I'm going to call her. I'm going to call her the interviewer because that's what closed captioning called her. The interviewer asked her why her parents don't work and she says her father's does. He's a mechanic. Um, when the interviewer asked her, what does home mean? She says she doesn't know. It's really hard when she's asking them these like kind of deepish questions. Um, you know, what you get from a kid when you ask them questions like this could be any fucking thing. One of the things that makes me laugh all the time whenever I think about it is Bear Bear has such big feet, right? Like I said, he's, he's, he has big feet cause he's a big kid. Like he's, He's just too big to be four years old. And um, sometimes when I'm tickling him or, you know, playing with him, I'll I'll hold his feet up and clap them together and say, where'd you get these big feet? And one time he looked at me very seriously and said, the garage. <laughs> and then I started laughing, but a, little, a few minutes later he goes, we're just playing, right? Because he's not allowed in the garage. <laughs> He's like, I didn't really go in the garage and get these feet. These are my feet. <laughs> and, um, oh, listen, when I'm on Twitter and on the internet and various places, to me, Twitter is the internet. Like for some people, Reddit is the internet. Twitter's the internet for me. When I'm, when I'm in those places and you see people recounting things their kids have said to them, a lot of times they come off as fake, but guys, and plenty of them are, don't get me wrong. People, I, I don't know. Plenty of the shit people say anywhere is fake. But the thing is, when, if you are not around small kids a lot, you do not realize how much they absorb from you and how much they're willing to spit it back at you. You'd be surprised what a three and four year old will say to you. And so, um, I'm completely convinced that none of these interviews were like staged or she told them to say anything. And those are some of the tougher parts as they're explaining things. And Rudy is talking about things in a very frank way. Um, 
Sleeping in the bushes is embarrassing because people can see you. Um, she knows her entire family's life story. Why wouldn't you? You guys are in one room. You are in all the fucking business. Uh, you know everything that your parents are going through. And, and, and to be honest, kids in these sorts of situations tend to, not just if they're living in one room, but like they just know because there's little separation between them and their parents. It's not like... I was listening to You Are Good, right? used to be Wired Dads, but it's You Are Good now. And they were talking about The Parent Trap, the remake, which is an excellent movie. Both movies are good. Uh, the first one is a little wild. <laughs> like, they slap each other around. Uh, one of the things that one of the sisters does to the other is at a dance. She cuts off the back of her skirt, so she runs around in her underwear. Like, it, it's obviously from a different time, but I prefer the remake, which is with, obviously, Lindsay Lohan. And... They're talking about how fabulously wealthy these fucking kids are, right? These kids are fucking wealthy. And they're talking about how, like, they're in their own bathrooms, talking on their own phone in the 90s, and, and how no one can hear them and stuff. Whereas most of us who grew up in upper poor, lower middle class, like, there's no way... People don't know what the fuck you're doing in your room most of the time because it's right next to someone else's room. Like when you live in these big houses, that's because uh, that's different socioeconomics, okay? And so you take it two, three steps further from lower middle class to literally unhoused. And there is no separation whatsoever. You know every fucking thing. Um, when Rudy shows the interviewer the room, there are four people that live in that, in that motel room. The bathtub is filled with wet clothes. And her mother says that she washes the clothes in the bathtub and then takes them to the laundry because it gets the stains out. Um, and then when I thought about it, I was like, oh, she might not even be using like laundry detergent because laundry detergent costs extra money. Um, the room is full of toys and decorations on the wall and stickers in the bathroom and just stuff. It's not hoardery. It's like trying to make the best out of a situation. Like trying to put lipstick on a pig. That's what it looks like. And it makes me even more sad because they because it's obvious that the peop that they understand that where they live is it's not great. They know this and so they're trying to do they're trying to liven it up. But it is messy and cramped and just stuff full of things. But again, it is a small hotel room with a kitchenette in it. When uh, the interviewer asks her why they live in a motel, Rudy's mother says that the rent in Orange County is very expensive. A studio is probably like thirteen to fifteen hundred dollars. Keep in mind, this is twenty ten, and they pay eight hundred and seventy dollars a month at that motel, and so they are where they can afford to be. The interviewer asked her why she doesn't leave if it's too expensive. And she said, we've lived here our entire lives. Where would we go? And that's like a really like pervasive question about people who are unhoused due to like they live in a place. You think the Bay Area, even New York, of course. You think of places, LA, you think of places like that where like there's no way you could afford to live there anyway. So if you're unhoused due to rising housing costs, why don't you go somewhere you can't afford to live? Well, where could I afford to live? And also, I've only, like, 
most people are not like me who just pick up and like move to another fucking state or a city and just like, oh, I'll make roots here. Your entire support system is here. Your entire, your family is here. This is all you've ever fucking known. And what work you do get is, is based on your network here. Um, like this thing is saying, just like pick up and move to Iowa where you can afford it is like naive because then I'm getting paid Iowa prices and maybe I can't afford that, that either. It's like, it's, it's not as simple as go somewhere where you can afford it. And this is the same thing people say when we talk about the way Republicans are chipping away at voting rights and gerrymandering districts and, um, basically like being evil (laughs) and have been evil in the South for decades and decades and decades. And people say things like, well, you should just leave. Okay. Well, you act like my job is portable. And I mean, in my case, it, it could be, but my husband's isn't. You act like my life is portable. Is it? You don't know. And your solution is for me to come to a very liberal area so that I can pay five times the rent. And you don't know any other details about like my life. And you know, it's mirrored here. You should just leave OC. Okay, well, where is she fucking supposed to go? And how is she supposed to get there? And like, it's it's not as simple as let's go somewhere else. Um, she says that, uh, that her parents were middle class. All of her siblings own houses. She's the poorest one in the family. She doesn't think that living in a hotel is damaging to Rudy. She says that it doesn't matter where they live as long as they're a family. Um, like the family is what matters. She says her family is a family of survivors. They know how to poop in a bag and take a shower and an eight ounce cup of water. She says they'll make it. The economy is going down, but they don't feel it because they're already there. Um, it's hard to watch Rudy's mom talk uh, because in her pride to talk about sur- being a survivor, she's listing things that are very difficult to, um, to think about. Um, you see like that people bring donated clothes and they're, they're put out on the shopping table. So she's shopping, quote unquote shopping. She finds a scarf and a pretty dress and she says she doesn't know where the, where the clothes come from, but you know, she, she says from a foundation, um, the school they go to is called project hope school. Um, which I believe is probably a a touch point for the documentary. Like, uh, the interviewer interviews a lot of people there. Most of the kids go to that school. Um, it feels like a small, like an entry point for her. And that's, and that's how she had access to the kids. And maybe even like the consent forms were sent home from school, you know, you know, parents sign almost anything. I didn't see any blurred out kids there. Um, the school is a K through eight school with 67 students in three separate classrooms. It's open year round to help to keep homeless kids in school. Um, well, let's start there. Uh, why would the school be open year round? A lot of the charter schools here are open year round because some of, a lot of the charter schools are in poorer neighborhoods. And why is having school, school year round helpful? Well, many of those people that are, and I'm using homeless and unhoused uh, interchangeably because I'm still working on my language. But the fact is I want to use unhoused because 
homeless implies like that they that they have no connection that they that they are not a part of the community when in fact they are listen to Rudy's mother and unhoused is more accurate when we're talking about like I think when we talk about homeless it implies like Rudy said sleeping in a bush but unhoused means that we are not in permanent stable housing and that means we can be living in a motel we could be living in a, um, you know, in a tent somewhere on a person's couch, doubled up with someone, that sort of thing. I'm using that those terms because that's what the school uses. Um, so understand that even though I'm flipping from unhoused to homeless, I'm not doing that because I think they mean the same thing or they have the same connotations. I know unhoused is a better way to say it, but I'm, again, I'm still working on my language. And some. so if you hear me saying homeless, it's either because the doc is saying homeless or because I've forgotten. So apologies in advance. But um, what was it saying? Oh, so if the school is open year round, one, the first thing is you get you eat at school. If you are a poor person, you will eat at school. You get free lunch. So you get a breakfast and a lunch, depending on what your state provides. It could just be like cereal and milk or whatever. And I mean, we saw several of the meals there. But these are two meals these children get every day, all year round. Also, regardless of whether it should be, the fact remains that school is the biggest daycare provider in the United States. And that's not me downplaying the work of teachers as if they're just daycare. Um, They're just babysitting, you know? And I don't even want to say just daycare providers because daycare providers are incredibly important as we found out during this pandemic um, and should have fucking known. And daycare is incredibly expensive and they get paid shit. Um, But the reason I say that school is is the biggest daycare provider in the United States is because for many families... You can't afford to put your for your child to go anywhere all day until they go to school, which is free. And when the kids are not in school, it creates problems with whether or not you can work or not. Um, if you don't have kids, or you or you or uh, you just don't know a lot about like early childhood, many many women do not go back to work after they have babies because it costs so much more to put them in daycare than it does to work. Like uh, plenty of women are working for the paycheck. I mean, are working for the daycare bill. Like they, that's all what they, what they make covers. And so if, so it makes more sense for many of them to stay home until the kid goes to school. And by the time the kid goes to school, now you have a place for them to go most of the day and you can work again. Uh, School really, in that way, school affects the income of of poor families, right? I, two of us can't work if we have a small child. Um, there are obviously daycare vouchers and things like that, but um, uh, resources are limited. Uh, they make you jump through a million fucking hoops to get, and then you're on waiting lists and not every daycare provider takes vouchers. Why would they not take vouchers? Because they have to jump through a million fucking hoops to be able to be, I guess the word is certified, to take vouchers. So if you can make a living without taking vouchers, you will because you don't want to fucking deal with the United States government or your state government because it's filtered through state government. Um, 
And if you're in an area like Orange County, and not necessarily this Orange County, um, but if you're in an area that where there aren't very many daycares to take vouchers, you may find yourself asked out because is there an opening there? Yeah, there might be 10 daycares in within your, like, you, you can have access to and two spots because most of them don't take the voucher and the ones that do are full all the fucking time. And keep in mind that a great many people don't use licensed daycare for childcare. They use somebody's grandma, um, the girl who watches kids all day. She's got a kid, so she's home all day. So she, she also babysits other kids, but she's not licensed. She just takes people, she just watches people's kids and she don't take vouchers because she ain't licensed. So like, it's complicated. And for most people under a certain tax bracket, it's so much easier you can't, you can't work until your kids are in school. Like it just doesn't, the dollars and cents don't make sense. Um, so by being in school year round, you also don't have to deal with the summer gap. Every summer I have to figure out what to do with my children. I am happy. I happily use the YMCA summer camp. They give me a discount cause I have, uh, my kids are former foster kids and it's a hell of a fucking discount guys. I, if I did not get the discount, last summer for five children and only four went because one was just a little too young and they didn't have space in his program for, for his age group for five kids. It would have been about $10,000. Like let that figure. And that's the YMCA summer camp day camp. That's each that's Monday through Friday. The YMCA uh, summer day camp is not amazing. I'm not, listen, I'm, I'll turn my nose up at it. I'm happy to have them. They take care of my kids after school too. My kids like it there. I understand the process and everything, but it's not like some special amazing camp. It's just they they're on school grounds. So they'll pick a school. They try to rotate the school so that each, each year there's just, you, you know, they give someone else a chance to be closer to that school. And, um, they try to spread out locations and you, it's just them hanging out in the cafeteria, using the school facilities to make crafts, watch movies, have, have fun. They go, they go to the YMCA center. They take a bus twice a week to swim and they, all the instruct, all the, uh, caretakers are certified lifeguards and help them learn how to swim. And they go on one field trip, sometimes to the movies, sometimes, I don't know, last year because of COVID, they went to parks. They toured all the parks in Austin. So once a week they would go to a park and just hang out at that park and do something different there. It's not, so just don't get me wrong. It's not like a she-she day camp, but it would have been 10 grand if they didn't give me a discount. You think I was going to pay 10 grand? No, I was not. And so like for many people, even when their kids are in school, as soon as school's out, because the truth is, the way our school system is set up is ridiculous because it doesn't match the way our work hours are set up. And I'm unsure of how we fix that, right? Because I don't want kids in school like 12 hours a day. I don't like that. Um, I also know that not everyone's job can be done from home. Not everyone's job can be... Like, the one-size-fits-all model is, is tough. But, but if school more closely matched the work day, it would solve a lot of problems. 
but it doesn't. School gets out at 2, 3 o'clock, depending for the older kids. And most office jobs don't don't uh, get out till 5, sometimes 6. And keep in mind, a lot of these people don't fucking have office jobs. If I work at Taco Bell, my shifts might be all over the place. Maybe if I, maybe if I you know, got a little seniority there. You know, I've been there a, a bit. My manager likes me. I get to work the day shift and they let me out. You know, I can open, I don't know, my mom takes my kids to school and then I can get out by one and, and like run a couple errands, grocery shop or whatever, and then get my kids out of school at 2.30. Like, but that's a juggling act. And it's one of the reasons when we see all these these headlines about why people don't have, why people are having less and less in children. That's why. It's shit like that. It's shit like um, summer camp is is a, a not great summer camp is sixteen seventeen hundred dollars for the summer. It's this, and as people have more choices, they're they're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to struggle through stuff like that. Um, why am I talking? Oh, because they because the kids uh, go to school year round. By go, having the kids go to school year round, they will always we know they get two meals a day, no matter what, and they have a place to be. Um, at one point Rudy's trying to call home and I'll talk about that, but the, even the, this school, even their, their hours, like the bus comes at five trying to match office, uh, office hours so that people can work. Um, a lot of the charter schools around here are year round. Um, the one I want my kids to go to. So the ones I want my kids to go to, I really like it's, but I'll, they'll have to bust them to a not great neighborhood start there um i'm not too worried about that but the problem is it's kind of far and i'm worried about them riding the bus that far especially my littlest one um and they go to school year round they have like three they get out at the end of june and they get the first three weeks the first two weeks of july off and that's it and then they go back to school um and i like that idea and actually my kids are nerds and they like that idea (laughs) But um, part of it, like the charter school's free. So you guys know how charter schools work? Charter schools, um, they're not private schools. They are public schools that are allowed to run a program. I'm trying to simplify this because I can't go deep into this. A program of their own choosing. Simply. I mean, there's, there's rules, there's regulations. And so they can do things that traditional public schools can't do. And you can go to them free because instead of your money going to your public school where your kid would be attending, the money goes to the charter school. So the state pays them. That's very simple, but just to give you an idea. So charter schools are free and you can often get your kid in a charter school that is like more academically uh, rigorous because that's the one, you know, then maybe your public school is in your area. One that is... Not sure they could be religious, but I mean, has more flexibility in class structure and 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 um, and curriculum than maybe the one in your school. Like they're still considered a public school, though. Um, why am I talking about that? Oh, I like the I like the charter school. I really do. I mean, I just like like the academics. I like the way that they are posting Black Lives Matter content outside of February and that they 
took their kids to like older kids were allowed to go to a protest with a teacher and they took videos and stuff of that. I like how they talk to students and what they think about the world. And I like that. Um, so I'm still thinking about it, but it's, it's going to cause some is we don't have to do some extra work for them to go to that, that charter school anyway. So this school is like set, um, for unhoused kids one by being um, year round and not making parents try to figure out what to do with their kids in the summer, um, making sure and uh, making sure they have stable sources of uh, food um, year round, at least for two meals a day. Uh, no matter where they go, shelter to shelter, motel to motel, park to park, they stay at this school. Um, the buses from the Boys and Girls Club drive around and pick up the kids. And if they move in the middle of the night, the bus stop will be changed if someone calls the bus stop will be changed to accommodate where they are now and it's because well they're asking they're trying to provide some stability in these kids lives where there is none um you may not be aware but there are whatever kids your kids go to school at there are un there are unhoused children going there um you may not know it you may not like that i'm sure that i'm sure it's not broadcast, but there are unhoused children going to school in all in all places. In fact, in the state of Texas, there they have certain rights, and I don't know if that is a federal thing. That's that's, but I just know because I've only had kids here. Um, uh, they have certain rights about what school they can go to, and like if they are unhoused, then automatic the enrollment um, paperwork you don't need it like I'm sure that they they pester you to try to get it but you don't need it that day and they'll let you enroll right now without that paperwork because you're unhoused um, they provide um, busing to school of origin so like you might be in a shelter here but they will make sure that you can get to your old school now again I'm not saying that this is easy to do but this is I, I always get notices about this there are there are things uh, plastered all of today when I went to get Bear Bear there was a big sign plastered there um, in English and Spanish asking saying do you believe that you can qualify for this and you should call this number and we'll get you set up but it does not matter where you are unless you're in like unless you live next door to Oprah maybe maybe if you live next door to Oprah but you likely have unhoused children going to your school, to your kid's school. And you may think, I live in a nice neighborhood or I live in, you know, I live in an area where I don't see a lot of unhoused kids. It doesn't mean unhoused people. It does, it's still, there are probably kids going to your school that don't have a place to live. Um, and unhoused can mean, like I said, many different things. It can mean a shelter. It can mean living on the streets. It can mean a tent. It can mean um, you are staying on the floor of someone's home. Um, for temporary, you do not know how long you can be. Like, it can mean all sorts of fucking things. Uh, and the idea that this school will pick you up wherever and make sure you have stability and make sure that just because you're living in this park right now doesn't mean that you can't, um, that that all of a sudden you have to figure it out. Like, the bus, tell us where you'll be. We will meet you there um, and take this kid to school. Um one of the teachers that we see interview, I forget her name, but it explains that she explains that the, t the kids here need, just need a little more TLC, obviously. And because they're all in the same situation, though, if you come to school wearing the same clothes for like 30 days, you really, no one's going to tease you because they're all in the same situation, which is why 
if I were in that situation, I want my kids to go to this school, if you can understand, um, and not be singled out and have to be embarrassed. And uh, I'd want them to go to the school because they would understand the situation in a way that maybe a public school wouldn't understand. Um, there are like, I'll say one of the most haunting scenes in, in the doc is them singing God Bless America, um, um, juxtaposed over them playing and hanging out on the playground and stuff and like talking about, um, they, they use the word homeless, talking about being homeless. Um, the other thing that really stuck with me all these years is that many of the motel kids, which is what the, the doc calls them, live within walking distance of Disney, the happiest place on earth, because there are all these um, little motels that sprung up around the tourism there. And a lot of them fell in disrepair and like nobody's going to stay there. That's why like if you ever go on Priceline to or, or Expedia to like stay in a place and and it's got all these like one star reviews because people it was the cheapest place people chose it and then they got there and it was like I in the past I've called them crack motels it's just a place where people stay and do drugs and live out of and prostitute out of and all that and there's all these one star reviews like prostitutes were in the parking lot and I'm like yeah that's why this was only $14 a night dude I know it was close to your, but it was not. <laughs> There's a reason the list, the average was $50 a night and this one was 14 There's a reason for that. Um, but there are all these like small, like, you know, uh, motels that fell out of disrepair and they all live within walking distance of Disney. And sad as fuck. <laughs> sad as fuck. Disney is... The happiest place on earth, so-called. And it represents for children, or for childhood at least, it represents um, the dream. Like, uh, one of the things when I got this big new job was like, oh, I could take my kids to Disney and it wouldn't be a fucking problem, right? Who can fucking afford to go to Disney? I'm, sh I'm sure someone listening to this is like, we go three times a year. Okay, well, tell me you're rich without telling me you're rich, but <laughs> good for you. But like, it's super expensive and but it is a bastion of childhood, you know? And to be able to take your kids to Disney, even just once and like stay on a property and do all the stuff is like something they'll remember forever, you know? Or, or, or you're rich and you go all the time. You know, what the fuck is her name? She does crazy ex-girlfriend. I'm gonna have to pause because if I do not say her name, I'm gonna, I'm, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm, I'm not gonna be happy. Hold on. I'm back, Rachel Bloom. <laughs> it, it was going to kill me. But Rachel Bloom talks about, you know, she grew up in kind of like, I wouldn't necessarily call it wealthy, but I mean wealthy. Okay, fine, wealthy. Uh, family. Um, and she she was an only child. It was just her two parents and her. And they lived incredibly close to Disney and had like season passes. So if all her homework was done and like it was cool, they might just go to Disney to eat. And walk around for like on a Tuesday. And she like obviously talks about how absurdly privileged that is. And it is. But like think of the lifestyle 
of her versus someone who lives at the gates of Disney and like couldn't even afford to like park there, you know? It's it's the thing that stuck with me the whole time. Like when I first watched this, I was telling people about it. It's the first thing I would tell them. So we see this little black kid. His name is Dylan. He's nine. He explains that it all started when their mom died and they went to go live with a friend. And then they went to go live. And when they lived with the no, they their mom died and they got kicked out. And then they went to go live with a friend. And she kicked them out too. And then they ended up at the motel. Um, he's there with his dad, his sister, and his baby brother. And his sister is wearing tap shoes and stomping around the area. They try to keep quiet because there's an old lady they call the Wicked Witch who calls down to the office if they're loud. And if they if they get too many complaints, they will get kicked out. Um, Dylan says his dream is to be a basketball player. His sister wants to be a cheerleader. And the baby brother wants to be a Spider-Man. <laughs> Typical kid stuff. I His sister, I forget her, I've forgotten her name, but... Her tap dancing in this childhood way of like, you saw someone tap dancing one time and you're like, I can do that. And she literally has tap shoes, but she's, I mean, she's just stomping. <laughs> is so fucking relatable. They have so much footage of her just in like a breezeway of the motel, just like stomping <laughs> with these fucking tap shoes. Um, it reminds me of being a kid and living in a shelter for a short time about how you would get up to like trouble with these other kids. Like you just be moving in groups and you could check out games in the shelter and play with them or books. There was always books to check out and how we just like be in the breezeways or hallways of the shelter, just like getting into shit and playing with Barbies or tap dancing or like just making childhood wherever like the thing is childhood is going to exist no matter what the question is what is the quality going to be like but kids will be fucking kids and even in bleak landscapes they play even in refugee camps they play and it, because there is nothing else to do and this is what children do and so like her playing with that like um like tap dancing <laughs> Like, really, like, stuck with me. The interviewer asked Dylan if he could have one wish. What would it be, he says, to redo my life. He's nine. He already needs a redo, dude, guys. We see, okay, I forget their last name, but there's a large family living in one of the rooms. Ben's seven, Dylan's nine, Celine is ten. Um, they live with their mother and father and another baby, like, a recent baby in this one room. They have a bunk bed in the room to accommodate all the kids. So they have the, the motel bed. Then they've had a bunk bed in there. Um, mom and dad and the baby sleep in the motel bed. The daughter, Celine sleeps on the bottom bunk and the two boys sleep together on the top bunk. Um, she makes fourteen ninety five an hour working night shifts in a hospital as a CNA. And she's on a busy floor, she says. So she she's working the whole time she's there. She They asked her, like, why don't you stay on nights? Because, you know, she's got a... She see her leaving for work. Celine's doing dishes. Dad's holding the baby. I, I get the impression dad's not worth much, to be completely honest. Um, it's, like, to be honest, like, I try really hard not to, like, like, to take your judgy hat off when you, when you watch something like this. But... 
he just doesn't seem like he's worth a lot, to be honest, like to help with the family. Like, so Celine is, is takes care of her brothers at night and washing dishes. And I guess he's holding the baby while he lays on the motel cat on the motel bed. But they're like, don't you want to like work during the day so you can be home with your kids at night? And she's like, yeah, I'd love that. But I need the dollar 90 differential. So for people who don't have to do who, who don't have to do like, um, shift work like that. If you work an overnight shift, they will pay you a dollar five, dollar ninety, two dollars. It really depends more. And so people like my husband who thrive in the night not only want to work night shifts, they also want the differential. They want more money. Um so she can't afford to work in the days. That dollar ninety an hour changes everything. Um she makes about eight eighty five every two weeks. Uh, this job is new when, after she had the, the, the youngest baby, she lost her job and then dad lost his job at target. And so, you know, they're in the motel and she's saying when she gets her pay raise next year, things will be a little different. You know, uh, the kids are arguing a lot in the motel, but of course they are. It's all these people in one little room. So it's six people in a motel room. The seven year old says he wishes for a house this summer. That's been, um, later they're explaining about how people shoot people at night there. They're like, let's see if we can find some drugs. This is where most of the drugs are. Actually, this whole place is full of drugs. And I'm like, oh my God. Fortunately, we don't see them find drugs on camera. And also because they go to this school, remember it's three rooms. So like, I guess pre-KK and one are in one grade, second, third, and fourth are in one room and fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth are probably in another room. And um, each with one teacher following, like taking care, like just one teacher, no assistance, nothing. And, you know, so like I just was talking about earlier, Bear Bear's pre-K has maybe eight kids in his class and there's two teachers in there. Um, like they're running on a very small budget. Uh, so, at this charter school here. Um, but because second, third, and fourth grade are all in the same room, those kids in that family, Celine, Ben, and Dylan are all in the same room. So they don't even get away from each other at school. Uh, there's a scene where the teacher is explaining to Celine, like, you are not the big sister in this room. Like, you need to take, you know, Celine is obviously the oldest girl, the big sister, the responsible one. Um, She's like, well, I can still hear them and stuff. She, and the teacher's like, you have to ignore them and concentrate on your own work. And you, and she's like, I know you're still in the same room, but you're not in the same grade. You're doing fourth grade work and they aren't. So you just worry about your stuff. Um, later, she gets mostly S's on her report card and she is crying and crying because her mother said that means B's and C's and she has to do better in school if she wants to do anything with her life. And I, I felt bad for her because... Celine, first of all, S's are fine, okay? I guess they're doing um, O's, S's, so outstanding, satisfactory, unsatisfactory, maybe something. So, but O's are like S's, okay? I mean, S's are like B's, okay? It's fine. It's it's fucking fine. Um, And, you know, 
Uh, Celine's 10. She definitely understands they live in poverty. She understands how tough things are. I mean, they have, again, they have no walls in that place. All of them are stuck in there. At night, she's laying on the bottom bunk right next to her parents' motel bed. I'm sure she hears arguments about money and about how things stretch and about what's this and what that. And, and then your parents always tell you you need to make good grades so that you don't have to like live like this like, so you can go someplace and stuff and then you get your little report card and it says mostly s's and and if you were a child like me who's like incredibly anxious about things i would have saw those s's and been like okay well then it's over <laughs> you know there's nothing we could do it's over i'm stupid and i'm gonna have to stay here and i'm never gonna go to school like that's what i would have thought and, and you can see it on celine's face she's crying and crying and i wanted to like step in there with her and tell her that she's like doing her best she's like in a traumatic situation her uh she is dealing with all that shit at night sleeping barely being able to sleep at night going to school all day with her brothers and like She's doing the best she can. S's are pretty fucking good. That's what I tell her. We also see a lot of footage of the police there. The police come to the motel all the time. Um, there are a lot of domestic violence calls. People are always fighting. And the kids are out in the court, like the parking lot, playing all night, running around, screaming and shit. And, and I mean, again, where else would they be? The motel is one room. It's not like, like here at my house, I often watch TV in my bedroom at night or I fold clothes while my kids are still awake and I'm watching TV in there. And the kids are out here watching TV or playing games or drawing stuff. Right now, my six-year-old and my four-year-old are into cutting things. Like when I picked them up today, um, they were like, can we cut today? And I was like, what does that mean? Because when someone says I'm into cutting, I think like self-harm on your body. But what they mean is they like to get construction paper, draw things on them, and then cut them out with safety scissors. Uh, so they're often doing it at the table or they're playing with Legos or sometimes someone's in their room. They all have their, you know, not their own rooms, but they, but they're, they're at the most, you've only got one person in your room. So maybe they're not even in there and, and they're in, and then they go outside in the back and play and they're on the deck or on the trampoline in the yard or my older kids will go out front and ride their scooters and bikes and shit up and down the street. Like there are ways to get away from people, right? And you're also not in the same classroom all day. But I I imagine that you're a kid. There's nothing else to do. This room is so fucking tiny. Also, you probably got adults in there that are like, stop running around. And what do you do? You run around the parking lot. But it's hard to see all that. These kids just running around the parking lot when also there are police there. Like Rudy's like playing in front of a police car that's there to pick up somebody who who apparently, as one of the other kids said, beat up moms. Um, he means women. <laughs> but to him, all women are moms. He's a kid. We see Brenda, she's 11. She has bed bugs. <sighs> one time. When I was in New York, the only time I got anywhere near bed bugs, right? Was, I was at work. I was doing my thing. My friend called and said, I am so, can I borrow $50? I was like, yeah, um, come get it. Come, you got to come to my job. Come get it. And I give her the $50. And she's like, thank you. I, I don't get paid until like three days later. And all this, and I, I like hugged her. And, and she's like, and I think we have bed bugs. And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> bitch. 
shit on the fucking phone. <laughs> I would have opened a window and dropped this money down to you on the sidewalk. What do you mean you get big bucks? <laughs> but she didn't have big bucks and something else is going on. But um, like big bucks are scary. Uh, Brenda and her friend, I guess her friend's name is Megan. It's spelled M-E-Y-G-A-N. And she, they have all these bites on their skin. Um, they all have bed bugs. They say almost all the rooms have them. They bite you in the middle of the night. And it's in the morning when you see all the, uh, the mark, the, the itchy bites and stuff. They explain how the motel deals with bed bug infestations. And what they do is they take the the mattress out and put it like lining up against a wall and leave it out there for a little while and they take it back in there that's how they deal with bed bugs and so that's why the whole fucking place has bed bugs um we also meet the brewsters okay so the brewsters are josh is six zach is 11 andrea is 21 Allie, 16, and mom, who says she's uh, 42 or 43. Um, they all live in one room with four dogs. This this one, I was like, four fucking dogs. Um, Josh is... Josh is a, a cautionary tale. He's quite obviously... Um, he probably has ADHD. He probably has adjustment disorders. He's probably, I, I can, I can list like 17 traumas this kid probably has. Um, he on camera is very, he seems younger. His speech is, is, is much younger. He's running around being destructive most of the time. And he just seems like he doesn't get, he's the youngest and he doesn't get any attention for any fucking thing and he's kind of out on his own like his mom's 42 she's tired and i mean but i'm 41 i have a six and a four year old i'm not that tired i'm not i'm not tired like this um but i also not going through the same shit she's going through so let's let's keep that in mind josh is this is uncharitable but watching him on screen is like obviously we're looking at a juvenile delinquent in the making like it's so easy to see what him at six is like. I'm sure that if he was in foster care, he'd be diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder, um, which a lot of kids get over diagnosed with. But basically, like, you can't get him to do shit, like, whatever it is. Um, and that's not what ODD is, just so you know. But I'm just saying, like, a lot of kids like him get diagnosed with that. He is... A handful, right? He's a handful. Um, she's interviewing him, and I mean, he's sucking his thumb. Again, he makes him look younger than he is sometimes. He's sucking his thumb, and she's like, What's the worst part about being a homeless kid? And as he sucks, he's like, It sucks because everyone asks you dumb questions. <laughs> like, that's who Josh is. Um, Andrea's 21. She works at McDonald's. She says it's getting, getting busy because they're getting beanie babies back. Allie's 16, she goes to school. Mom works in the parking department at Disney, okay? Most of them double up in a bed. The 11-year-old's in a cot. They all talk about how there's no privacy, no walls. Every time, Zach says, every time you want to lay down, there's a dog with you. I, this, the fact that they have four dogs is dumb, 
But I also know how, why they have four dogs. Because when you live in this type of poverty, or any poverty to be honest, like, uh, you can actually have a place and still, and like, still have this mindset. It is the idea of waiting and not taking instant gratification is not palatable. And the reason is this, because when you live in, in poverty, it teaches you that you're not going to get shit, right? Um, all your role models don't have shit. All the people around you don't have shit. They have hard lives. Mostly, most of the people you know either, you know, either they're rappers or basketball players or drug dealers. Those are the people who seem like they're having a good time. And so when, when life constantly teaches you that the only thing coming after this is something more terrible, it's, it makes it very hard to be like, well, we should put this away and we should work like, you know, like when people see unhoused people, people literally living on the streets with cell phones, they're like, well, what are they going to do with that cell phone? Well, guys, a prepaid kick cricket phone, I think you can get unlimited for like $30 a month. You can't rent an apartment for $30 a month. So, but what you are saying is that you think that they shouldn't, that because until they have enough to get a place to live, they shouldn't even have the phone. They shouldn't have the dog. They shouldn't have anything because they don't have enough for a place. Well, they may never get enough for a place. This might be it. This might be where they're staying. And it's more likely than to them, it's more likely than not. Now, maybe not to you because you have all these, all these, uh, precedence in your life where this is what happens when you do this and this is what happens when you do that and obviously you can do this and you can do that but that's not what their life looks like it looks like life sucks and then you die right here on this fucking corner so why would I not have a dog why would I not spend my money on getting high or getting drunk like I need that to be able to get through this day um like obviously they shouldn't have four fucking dogs in there but I also can see them being like, this is a thing, like having a, getting another dog, like if we get a dog, it can do this. And, 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 and the high of that, carrying them through, it, it's hard to explain. I hope I, I explained it. Like, you know, uh, one of the stereotypes is poor people buying Jordans, spending all their money on Jordans. If they didn't spend their money on Jordans, they could buy you know, they could spend $200 on the stock market and elevate themselves. That's not how that works. You can spend the $200, you can save the $200 to somehow, uh, I don't know, Warren Buffett your ass out of poverty, a one in a million fucking thing. Or you can, you can either be poor in, and shoes that, that make you feel good about yourself or shoes that don't. It, the $200 wasn't going to make or break the life. And I, it's really hard to see people like doing that kind of like um, equation, looking at the lives. Like the reason, the reason you're poor is because you, you deign to like try to get yourself try to uh, get yourself some nice shoes and actually own a phone. Guys, when they're talking about when they're like, especially when they're doing the stimulus, and they're like, they're just going to buy iPhones. Who pays for an iPhone outright? Nobody. Phones often come free with the fucking plan to, or your, or people are on uh, payment plans. That's that. Nobody goes in and goes, I want to spend $900 on an iPad, on an iPhone. Maybe they do. Maybe nobody I know. 
So I'm just telling you that nobody went in there and spent that money. They 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 pay they pay fucking Sprint fourteen dollars a month for it. That's what happens. This is, I just I often find that people just describing like prescribing like how to get out of poverty or often not been in poverty, never been in fucking poverty are making suggestions from very high up in a different state on a different mountain where they're serving you fucking grapes and you're drinking out of gold goblets. And you're like, why don't you just not get those shoes? Why don't you just like wear rags on your feet, save the $200 for about a hundred years. And then you'll have like, then you'll have $300. Like what's the problem? You don't want to, you don't, you don't want to get anywhere, do you? Like that's, that's the way it sounds. And the reality is something very different. Um, I do, I, let me be clear, because that made it sound like I approve of them four fucking dogs in that room. I do not. I do not. Um, when the interviewer asks Zach, the 11 year old, if he's happy, he goes, what do you mean by that? Like the concept is not even, it's like happy. Like he never even fucking thought about that. Like how, like happy is not even a thing that belongs to him. It would be like if you were coming in here and you're asking me, um, princess, which riding crop do you, um, are you going to be using today? I'm like, what? What do you mean? That's a thing you think I'm going to be using today? I don't even know what that is. Um, so like I said, mom works at Disney and she has for two years. She just doesn't make enough. She makes nine thirty three an hour in the parking and she has to get a second. She says she does nursing, so I'm assuming she's also a CNA. And so she wants to get a second job. That's what she's looking for. So it'll help. Um, later, she gets a paycheck. And she has 40 hours plus 10 hours of overtime. And it's $499. She has worked 50 hours. If you think that's like enough money to live off of, it's not in any way, shape, or form. It's certainly not enough to live off with four kids. Um, she estimates, because they're asking her, like, how much an hour would you have to make to, like, live? She's also a recent widow, widower. I guess her husband died. I mean, that's what a widow means. She's a widow, not a widower. She estimates she'd have to make $3,000 a month. And that's $20 an hour to get out of that hotel. Um, and it's not just that though, too. She needs a windfall because here's the thing. When you're living in hotels, um, you have to pay weekly, right? Paying weekly costs more than paying monthly, but most people don't have the monthly. So if you pay weekly, um, but to get into an apartment, so you got to keep paying weekly so you, you don't lose your hotel. To get into an apartment, you have to pay, depending, first, last, and deposit but how do you get that money if only thing you can afford is the hotel you that means you need extra money so you need some extra money on top to pay in some places don't even take last let's say you're you're, you're in a place that doesn't even take that well uh austin plenty of places have hundred dollar deposits with the right credit i mean if you're living in a hotel you probably do not have the right credit but let's say you're trying to get a a, a fifteen hundred dollar apartment and they're running a special. The deposit is only $500. You need $2,000 to move in. And you still have to pay your weekly 
You still have to pay your weekly rent though. So to get that money is super, super fucking tough. When I was in Chicago, I was staying and I was renting a room from a friend at first, me and my husband. She left, she left, she moved town, out of town. Um, so we had to stay and my husband was working, my husband was working in the suburbs, right? At a factory. So we stayed in an extended stay there while we were looking for a place and like trying to figure it out. Um, it's fine. I was working, I was freelancing, so I was working from home, so it was fine. Uh, we stayed there for about a month. And the reason it like was only a month and it was no big deal is because the person that rented me my apartment was like, where are you staying now? I was like, in a hotel while I'm trying to figure it out. And she's like, okay, well, here's the deal. Bring me, bring me the rent and you can pay the deposit over like three months. She's like, because your net, like it's going to be too hard for you to like keep paying on the hotel. And I was paying like, I was paying like two, every two weeks. Cause I didn't know how long we were going to be there. So I did get a discount. I wasn't paying the, the, I wasn't getting abused by the weekly amount. And she's just like, yeah, just bring me the rent and you can move in today. And that is how we, and it was a perfect little apartment in Logan Square, um, which has been gentrified quite a bit since then. But um, it was a perfect little apartment and it didn't have much. It was just small. It was, it reminded me of Carrie's apartment in Sex and the City was just big enough, just fucking big enough. Um, I mean, don't get it twisted. I was one wall from like having a studio. Like the bedroom was like very specific. I had a cloth full of tub and it was huge and, it was great. But the reason I was able to get that apartment is because she was like, oh, you're staying in a hotel? Bitch, you're never getting out of there. Come on. Uh, and, you know, that was a stroke of luck on my part. I don't know that it would have, like, worked out if I'd had to wait longer. Um, Zach has a probation officer at 11 because he got burglary charges. He says there's nowhere to play. He's right. They don't want them playing outside. They want them to, like... There's nowhere to be. You want stuff other people have, like, that you just will never have. Like, there's no way for you to get it. There's no way for you to... Uh, one of the things, like, when I had foster kids... So, I had some foster kids that were pretty much juvenile delinquents, but um, I was really happy that they... And uh, they were removed from my care. Not, like, by CPS, but basically I... There were some things that were not disclosed. So their level of care was outside of what my was licensed for. So I had them and as more and more things got disclosed, it was like, it was like, okay, princess, you can't keep them. They're like, like basically my foster agency said, you have to put a discharge on them or we're going to take them from you. And if we take them from you, it's going to look bad. So you have got to put a discharge on them. Um, and they... Um, had to go to a group home because they, I mean, they just were not, they were not going to find a foster home, but eventually they did find a foster home. They were in a group home for like six months or seven months and they found a foster home that would take them. I was so fucking happy and they were leveled correctly. So, so being leveled correctly, that meant that they were licensed for them and they had an understanding and they had emailed me to ask them about, um, like just their personalities and stuff. And one of the things I explained is that they have been taught to steal. They've been taught to lie. They've been taught that the only way to get anything is to take it and to sneak it. And to like this kid, the first day I, the first week I had him, he stole a phone from school, someone's phone from school. And they did find my phone to find it at my house. <laughs> Wasn't fun. 
But um, but I, I, one of the, the things I told her is I was like, we built in ways for them to get things. Like when you don't have anything and there's no way for you to get anything, what is your motivation? What is your motivation at all? There, there isn't anything. So I made sure they could find ways to get allowances or get privileges and stuff. And that were built into their lives. So the truth is like, okay, I could steal this. I could wait until we, I go to Walmart with mom and I could like steal things and she'll be really upset with me. And I also patted them down every time we left too. So that was important. I trust you. I'm going to verify that you do not have things in your pocket that do not belong to you. Um, but, or that's going to cause me a lot of trouble. But the fact is over here, I have another option that I can also do my chore and she's going to give me $20 and then I can ask her, can she take me to Walmart? And she will. And so it's easier (laughs) for me to, for me to like, just do what I'm supposed to do because there's no, there's no friction there. I just have to do my chore, take out garbage or whatever. And at the end of the week, I'll get 20 bucks. And she'll take me to Walmart or I can steal in this Walmart, get in a lot of trouble. (laughs) And so by giving him a way to like get the things that they want and like motivation for stuff, it makes things easy. So I I was like, you got to put build that in. But like what Zach's saying is that if there's no way to get things and what's the difference, why wouldn't you try to take it? At some point, a family gets evicted, which they say happens about once a week. And it's a free-for-all in the dumpster because, you know, they throw all their shit in the dumpster. And we see Josh and a bunch of kids in the dumpster. He wants to find, he finds a toy gun. It doesn't look very, like, everyone's screaming at him. You can't have that. It's gonna, it doesn't have an orange tip on it. You're gonna get shot. They're gonna think you have a gun. And as someone who's not very well-versed in arms, I'm telling you, it looked like a fucking gun. At first, I was like, "Is did he find a fucking gun? But guns are expensive. Why would you put it in the fucking dumpster? Even if you're evicting them and throwing their shit out, I, and you found the gun, you keep it. I'm sure they keep the shit that they like. Um, so they're all mad at him and stuff. They're like, put it back, get out, of the, get out of there, get out of there. He keeps going to the dumpster, and a member of the staff tells him to get out, and he he's does, but he goes right in. And while this has happened, Andrea's fighting with some woman in the parking lot. And she's doing this weird, it's not weird fighting, but it's that type of fight. There's a certain type of, I don't know how to describe it, but like, she's like, you need to watch your kid. That's what you need to do to the lady. And the lady's like, I watch my kids every fucking day, bitch. And Andrea's like, oh, 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 you're watching your kids? Oh, you're watching, oh yeah, you're watching your kid? Like, it's a very, it's it's like that. It's I guess it's a meme now of that guy who's in a fight and he's like clapping. It's a white guy. He's clapping at people. And he's like, oh yeah, because really, cause really. And he walks away and comes back and he's still like trying to win this fucking fight. It was like that. But so they're so that's happening in the background while Josh is still digging in the dumpster. I mean, filth, fucking filth. Um, he ends up with a binder and a green stuffed animal and guys, he's so fucking happy. He looks like he found the fucking world. <sighs> um, 
um, like I said, at the school, they get two meals a day. Um, and then every weekend they get a bag of like ramen and canned food and like condensed milk or that milk that doesn't have to be refrigerated. They get that to take home on the weekend. Uh, the types of meal, the teachers like, I wouldn't eat these meals, but cause it's from the state. Like for breakfast, they get a muffin or a pop tart for lunch. They're eating like microwavable hot dogs. Like they're in a pack or for one lunch, they're eating tortillas, applesauce, and an orange. But keep in mind, this is like preferable because at home you wouldn't eat anything. Like when I first got the older kids, I used to make them a breakfast every day before I sent them to school, but they got free lunch. I didn't know that. I didn't know foster kids got free lunch at the time. So I would make them a breakfast, free lunch and free breakfast, excuse me. So I'd make them a breakfast and then they would go eat a second breakfast at school. If I pack them a lunch, they will eat whatever lunch they'll, and so it's not like they have to pay for it. So that, that doesn't prevent them from going to get the food. So, so I pack a lunch, they eat my lunch, and then they go eat another lunch. Like people are like, why do you let your kids eat school lunch? Because they're going to eat it no matter what. Part of them are still like, they still have that bunny, monkey, and, and bear bear have it worse than obviously turtle on cheeks. Like way fucking worse, way worse. But, um... Yeah, uh, like a school lunch program where someone gives you a muffin and milk in the morning is better than nothing. Lots of kids go all day without having something to eat and lots of kids have. Like the one that you get some greasy fast food at the at the um, end of the day and you got to fight for fucking that. I'm still teaching them not to fight for resources that like there is enough food for everyone. I have given you enough food and if you eat it and caught and then breathe and let it settle in you, you have enough food. Um, and they were at the point, the younger ones were at the point, like like when you read their transcripts, they would go to visits and like rip food out of each other's hands and stuff it in their mouth real quick so the only one couldn't get it and fight over things. And, and, and like, you know, the first few foster homes they were in, it was so hard. Like there would be reports of like um, dinner time brawls, Bear Bear has a permanent, very deep scar in the back of his head. Like no hair grows there and it is fucking deep as fuck. Scar from where he was trying to eat something and keep it from Monkey. And Monkey was like, no the fuck you ain't. I'm getting that, whatever that thing is. And pushed him off a chair and he busted his the back of his head on a table. And my understanding from it is that as uh, Bear Bear was bleeding, <laughs> he dropped the food and Monkey got it and ate it anyway. And it's, it's just how they would just kind of like throw food out, you know? And I'm sure lots of these kids on this dock are experiencing same types of things like where like, even though it's food that you and I might be like, I don't want to eat that. They're, they're very happy to have it. Um, a lunch that's, Tortillas, applesauce, and oranges. And they were happy to have it. The teacher says that half of the kids will be successful and half won't. And she defines successful as having a job. Think about having a bar that low. Just being employed. And she's right to be, she's right to be that pessimistic. Or, I mean, to her, it's optimistic. She's right to be that optimistic about the future, that level of optimistic. Because a lot of these kids will... How, what do you grow up to be and see and think of the world as when this is your foundation? Um, 
Gabriel Seven, he's the kid with the mohawk. Um, he's the first one you see on the dock, to be honest, because they're writing down words and he goes, Is homeless in this in this word bank or whatever? And they and and they're like, no. And he's like, I don't know how to spell it. And another friend writes homeless on his paper for him. And they use that to open the, the doc. Um, and they have footage of him going to the funeral of his mother's boyfriend who was staying in their room. He and his sister explained that someone beat him up. And by the time the doctors got to him, he had already gone to heaven. They're talking about the rights in school. They're talking about the, they're basically talking about why Americans wanted to break from the British crown. Like what rights they were hoping to get. And Gabriel says, I have the right to remain silent. Because <laughs> he knows all about getting arrested. He wants a mansion with a thousand dogs and a gun when he grows up. He says guns are cool. Um, his sister said he wants attention. And I can imagine. She says she he doesn't get a lot of attention. I can imagine that. He's got a mother who's probably working. And he's in that hotel all the time. And. Later, Josh has a mohawk too. When we see him, we watch him and his brother playing in the parking lots and streets as he lived as, like across the street from Disney because this motel is right across the street from Disney. And Josh says one of the things they like about there is you can see the fireworks every day, like the fireworks from Disney because they do uh, one every night. And they climb up to some station or parking garage. I think it's a parking lot. And they lie down on the pavement like amongst all these cars, like it, it feels like they're at the entrance of the car of the of this elevated parking structure, with no top on it though, and they're lying on the ground just looking at the fireworks and entranced in it. As people walk past them, they get to their cars, and the cars are the alarms are going off because of the fireworks. Um, surreal, surreal. <sighs> We meet Cassidy. She's eight. She she seems like a really sweet kid. She does cheerleading moves and describes herself as a sad kid. She reminds me of Bunny. She like they're like, what can you do? And she's like, I can do this. And she does a couple of cheerleading moves. Um, she's had to sleep in the park and her little sister's grandma's house. She says living in the hotel is like being in hell underground. The devil is being so mean. She says that God knows she's homeless and she doesn't know why God would let that happen. But it's not fun. She also has very short hair throughout the doc and eventually she comes in with a shaved head and they're like, why, what happened to your hair? And she's like, I have lice. When they ask her where she's living, she goes, nowhere. I don't think she's at the hotel. I think she's, this is someone she met at the school. And she's, and she tells them she has nothing to look forward to in her life. And they're like, nothing? And she's like, nothing. There's nothing to look forward in my life. Imagine there's nothing for you to look forward ever in your life and you're fucking eight years old. It's very sad. Um, we see Zach and Josh in a soup kitchen. And Zach says the food isn't very good, but it's something. Um, I, I've i worked in a lot of soup kitchens. They are correct. Um, eventually, Zach and Josh's family, that, you know, that uh, five-person family with all the dogs, get evicted. Because Zach is accused of damaging the motel property. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Zach probably did damage the motel property. Um, why wouldn't he? What else is he fucking doing? As they're packing up, she asks where they're going. And he says, don't know, don't care. They have to call around for motels with weekly rates. I mean, they actually have a U-Haul. They have a lot of shit in there. Um, they have to call around for weekly rates. Um, 
she's on the phone. She's like, how much is it for two adults and two children? I'm like, girl, it's not two adults and two children in that room, but okay. And she finds a place that's about $19 more. Um, and they, it's off they go. Celine and her family at one point, like, so they're introducing, they're, they're interviewing, I guess it's Ben and Dylan and they're like, we're moving. This is, we're going to, we're leaving soon. We're moving to Riverside. We're going to stay with some family because something happened at the family thing. And they're going to stay in the family's house and they're going to stay in this room in the living room. And they're like so excited. And Celine's like, walks up to the interview and they're like, you know, she's like, Celine, you're moving? And Celine's like, yeah, but we weren't supposed to tell anybody. I mean, the, 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 the beaten down older sister, like guys, we weren't supposed to tell anyone. And they're like, yeah, she said, don't tell any kids. And they're like, she's like, um, adults too. <laughs> We're not supposed to tell anyone. Um, and we see footage of them just basically telling everybody in the school all day. Um, but that doesn't work out in the end. Like later, uh, the interviewer's like, Hey, I thought you guys were moving. And, Ben goes, nope, I think family problems. And that's it. Um, we see Kira, Kira, nine. She wants to be a baby doctor and she's scared of the people to tell she's afraid someone will take her and put drugs on her. Um, I, she says it's never happened, but she knows it can happen. I think her mom probably talks to her a lot about being abducted. She's a very cute biracial little girl she's nine years old and um she's at an age when she's at an age when you have to be very careful about the people that are around your kids i mean you always have to be careful around people around your kids um but like terrible things can happen to her so i think someone's been telling her about that her and her mom share a room with another family so it's two families in this one room with a newborn baby her mom was a customer service wall manager at Walmart for two years. She's also, she's also explaining the math of getting out of the, the hotel. Like you have to pay weekly, but you have to be able to get out. And it's difficult to do that. If you had enough, if you were making that kind of money already, you wouldn't be in the fucking hotel. This is the moment that stuck with me forever, guys. Rudy is there filming her. Rudy is calling her mom, her dad, excuse me. She's calling her dad. And she's sick, but she doesn't start off with that. She calls her dad at the motel and asks, does he have any gas money? That's the first thing she asks. Because she's sick and she wants him to come pick her up. Like, she lives in a world where she understands that no one is coming if we don't have gas money. Like, you know, think about your kids, if you're listening to this. Um, probably if... If... Um, your kid wants you to take them somewhere. Their first question is, how's your gas tank? Do you have gas? But Rudy lives in a world where like, she knows that all the shit that's going on in her family, she knows the limitations of money and like the car runs on gas. Like when me and my mother were um, unhoused, like uh, an issue that we were having, and we weren't, an unhoused, we were living from place to place at this point. Um, my, I would like, stress out my mom because I like count down the gas till like how much gas she had to the point where she lied to me and told me she had an extra gas tank underneath the car. And I believed her cause I was stupid. <laughs> I didn't know how to drive, 
But like, I was so concerned. She ran out of gas one time and like that car was all we had and stuff. And so I'd be constantly like checking the gas gauge. But how did I know that? Because, because I knew, because I was up in the business. I knew all the fucking business. I knew, I knew non-kid stuff. So the thing is at this school, there's no nurse on site. And unless someone comes, picks her, picks her up. I mean, she just has to stay at school and she has to wait for that van to take her back. And so they're interviewing her. She's crying. She says her stomach's hurt. Her stomach's been hurting. It hurts every night when she goes to sleep. And she has to stay. And she can't go home till five. And the interviewer's asking her why. And she says she doesn't have gas. Her dad doesn't have gas to pick her up. And her mom doesn't have money to get on the bus to get her. And so she's just stuck there. And I've never forgotten that moment of her, like, calling home and being like, do you have gas money? Before even saying, I'm sick she's like crying but she's like do you have gas money um the the doc ends on a field trip kids are all going to a field trip they're going to the beach and you see ben being so excited and putting sunscreen on he's so fucking happy i mean everyone's putting sunscreen on and the kids are all running into the water and screaming and i hate the beach guys but fuck they look so fucking happy they look so fucking happy they're wearing their field trip t-shirts you know um if you are in a day program somewhere and they go on a field trip, they want to, they, they'll have you all wear the same shirt so they can, they can figure out where the fuck the kids are. Um, they look so fucking happy. And the teacher, like, again, they probably live not far from the beach at all. and never go to the beach. The teacher says she loves field trips because like this, because the kids turn into kids and it's great to hear them laughing and screaming and having fun. They sound like children in a way that they don't normally sound. As the, as the doc ends, we find out that due to his budget cuts, the school lost two teachers. Now there's only one teacher. I don't know if they have, including the teacher that we did the most interviewing with. I wonder if they still have 68 students or if they have to cut down the program to like pre-K through one or something like that. I'm not sure. And that's the doc. Um, obviously, uh, it's... It's a little sad, but it's also like really important to watch, um, to watch them. Like they are kids no matter what. Like there's a scene where Rudy's like, there's a guy, like someone's getting arrested, but Rudy's there and there's a guy like, Rudy, come on and dance. And she's dancing for him. <laughs> she's in, in like, I mean, it's the middle of the night. She's outside. She should be in bed. But um, it's so interesting to see like their stories like to understand that this little microcosm of poverty and struggle and strife is happening right underneath the noses of, I don't know, Tamara Barney going to get uh, Simon's na- name tattooed on her for on her ring finger. You know, it's like after the in the shadow of those types of things, like um, as Lauren and. Um, Jason are talking on the at the house where her was it Jason or was it Stephen? Um, are Lauren's family's building a new house, so they go over there look at the construction of like where the pool and shit's gonna be. And as they're like having this conversation about like where are they going to college and we're having a black and white party and shit like that, like probably not too far from them is someone living in a hotel, like kids like this, just like this. Um, who've got some donated tap shoes that they're tapping all fucking day and and they go to the school and they don't know where they're going to be living and they don't have shit to look forward to. And 
their lives are like. Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember uh, Christy Nichols? First of all, I'm so fucking old. But here's the thing: I'm not old enough to remember Christy Nichols. I'm just an old soul, period. So that's why I know who she is. But she was on uh, Empty Nest. She was the sister. I think she was Barbara. Um, but Christy Nichols was a child child actress. And she was in a movie that used to come on all the time on Nickelodeon when I was a kid. Like, on the weekends. And it was called... It wasn't called Gumballs. It was called Pinballs. And I think it's based on a book, too. I think I read the book. And it's... I think they're kids in foster care. But it's kids in poverty. And, and they're talking about how... The reason it's called that, it's like it was like one of those after school specials, TV of the weeks for kids or whatever. And you know how like Nickelodeon would just play shit over and over again. And again, when I was a child, this movie had to be 10 years old. Like by the time I like the last time I've seen it, it might have been 20 years old. They just keep playing it. Um, and one of the things they say is that like their pinballs in a, in a pinball machine and that what happens is adults put a quarter in, they pull the, the plunger back and hit go and they just have to like get knocked around all over the pinball machine and figure out what to do. And the reason I brought that up is because she, like these kids, right? That, that's what I think of that like, they're just being bounced around, pinball around based on what's going on in their kids, in their parents' lives. And sometimes they end up at the motel. One more thing though, I did, um, I did a, I, like, I didn't expect we'd find where the uh, kids are now. I did a, um, a cursory Google search just to like, see if there was anything about it. And there's really nothing about any of the kids except for the, I can't say their last names. I do not remember it because it's, it's hard to pronounce. Um, the, the kids, Celine, Dylan, and Ben. And there, there's an article about Dylan who is on his way to college. Um, and he talks a little bit more about like the background of how they ended up in this, in this, um, in this documentary and he explains that his family is German and that they came to this country and like they were homeless right away. Like they didn't talk about the immigrant part of it. Um, they've been homeless ever since they set foot in the country and eventually they found they, his mother hooked up with a stepfather. That's the guy who I said was pretty worthless and I will stand by that. I just don't know. I feel like, I feel like if he wasn't there, Celine could handle it by herself. And that to me means, what do you contribute here? But fine. Dylan talks about how they were in motels in Texas for years and homeless shelters in Texas. Like, like this is not a super temporary thing for them. And, um, and they end up in Orange County because that's where the stepfather is from. Um, and them being German makes a lot of sense to me because there was just something off about that family. Now, okay, okay, I said like, like, oh, something was wrong with those people. That's it, they were German. That's not what I meant. I, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, there was a foreignness in their faces and in the way they talked about things, even though they'd been, um, the kids had no accents at all. And I don't think the mother really had an accent either. 
he talks about how he got, um, you know, they were in that motel in particular for two years. Uh, when he was 15, he had a disagreement with his mother and she put him out of the house and he'd been living like on the streets by himself and like in a youth ministry had taken the man and all this other stuff. And now he's on his way to college. This, uh, came out in like 2019 or 2018 or something like that. Um, so that's interesting. Um, he did mention that Celine was in college and on a full scholarship. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Just that little scene where she's got the S's and she's crying, crying, crying. Like, my life is ruined. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. But I mean, that's really the only update I could find on really any of the kids. So now that I've sufficiently bummed you out. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy it. Like, it's a quick watch. You should watch it. You should watch it. Um, I want to remind you guys that Buy Pumpkin has a merch shop, right? And from, from the month of this November and December, whatever we sell goes to the Central Texas Food Bank. And that will help people like these kids, like, that live in my area, to get fed, to get meals, to get donated meals. Um, for every dollar we donate up until December 31st, eight meals will be provided. That's a big fucking deal. And so if you have not gone over to the Buy Pumpkin shop, it's at uh, buypumpkin.threadless.com. There is a link in the show notes. There's a link on all the socials. Go over there and buy a fucking sticker, buy a mug, buy a shirt, buy something. Because the money that we make from that is going to feed some fucking hungry people. If you are looking at Rudy and Dylan and Josh and all these and thinking, fuck, this is not, this is unfair. Remember, there's a Rudy, Dylan and Josh everywhere, everywhere. And one way you can help them this month is to buy something from the Buy Pumpkin shop so we can donate to uh, the Texas, the Central Texas Food Bank. And for the month of November, excuse me, till November 15th, which is Monday, um, I just found out about this or I would have told you earlier. There is, uh, no, it, it's free shipping. So go do it. Go buy something. Again, it's buypumpkin.threadless.com. And I will see you guys next week. Thanks.